Hi, welcome to the uh, final in uh, last facts as panels. It's uh, been somewhat delayed because the audio isn't all that good over, um, generally speaking, the entire track. It does level out towards like the after the first 15 or so minutes, but it can get a bit rough in there at the start. Um, this is a very interesting panel about inking, the technique of inking, and um, what it means to be an inker in the comics business in the 21st century. And, um, well, you'll hear uh, at the start of this panel who is on it, but I'll tell you anyway. It's uh, with Scott Williams, Mark Farmer, and Julien Hugonarbert. Um, I, of course, am still the same scratchy person that I was uh, for the uh, for the other panels, and I hope you at least enjoy this one. Um, towards the end, it suddenly cuts out because that was all that was recorded. However, this was towards uh, the end of uh, the panel anyway. We were already uh, an hour and 20 minutes in. And the, this is, I think, among the, the last questions to be asked. I'm very sorry about the um, questions not getting picked up by the microphones all that well, but I think from the answers you can get what was being asked. And this is a um, a slight mistake that will be corrected on any new panels that will come up uh, and not even that long uh, from now. So uh, enjoy! Okay, so welcome again to the um, the panel with my esteemed guests. Not in order of how I'm putting this up, but don't worry about it. S please remain seated. First of all, we have uh, our, uh, uh, artist and inker extraordinaire Scott Williams. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Sitting next to him is the French inker, but I've got um, the, uh, the the British inker first, uh, famous for all sorts of things that we will discuss in a minute. Uh, Mark Farmer. <laughs> and to what will be my uh, left, because I'm really good with sides. Uh, in the middle here, it's uh, the French inker. Julien Hugonner, is it Bert? Bert. There you go. And this panel will be called The Art of Inking. So, uh, I have introduced myself. Uh, now it's your turn, of course. I, you can do this a lot better than I can. Uh, we'll start as you are seated, Julien, if you okay. want to commence. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Julien. As you can hear, I'm French. Sorry about that. And uh, I ink comics for a living for 10 years now or so. And uh, I also produce my own art as a penciler and inker. I worked on uh, books like uh, Star Wars for Dark Horse, 
injustice for DC Comics and I did a few other things and for um, Dutch people I think you know um, excuse for my accent Rodhaar uh, Rodhaar Oh, thank you very much. No, but uh, I, I have a Ghent accent, so that's not any better, but, you know. Okay. Go on. And, um, well, that sums everything up, I think. And uh, uh, is there anything you are working on at the moment? Not as an inker. No. I'm, currently I'm currently producing my own comic. Uh, I'm, I'm writing and penciling it and inking it. Um, but it's a long-term project because... Um, well, in the meantime, I do commissions, I do uh, many things. Well, I do a lot of things currently. Yeah. I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, Scott. Tell us who you are. We, we haven't heard from you before. Not on. Technology? Can you hear me now? Okay, we heard. We'll be alright. I'm probably the best known in the gym league. So that, that brings us to uh, the current for you, uh, but we'll go into that further. But first, um, uh, all the way at the end there is uh, Mark Farmer. Can you, uh, y you've been around in, in comics and inking as well for a while. Uh, yeah, wh when did that start? A bit earlier than Scott, about 83 was when I started working for American Comics, which was a dream we always had in the UK. Uh, never imagined it could happen. But as luck would have it, they came and drew a few people from the United Kingdom to work for them. And uh, I was lucky enough to get in on like the second wave. The first wave was like Brian Bolland, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons. And they were successful. And I got my break when Dave Gibbons approached me at what we used to call a London Comic Mart, where you'd mix and mingle with the professionals in a bar afterwards. And right. Dave approached me and said, I'm taking a couple of months off the Green Lantern. Could you help me ink a few issues? And I said, uh, 
Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I didn't sleep for about three days after you asked me, so uh, I was so excited. I did a sample on vellum for Dick Giordano to check and approve. And once he said, yeah, go ahead, that was uh, touch wood. I've worked for Marvel or DC and American Comics almost exclusively ever since. And as Jim Lee is associated with Scott, I'm yeah. associated with Alan Davis for the most part. No, and we've, we've never met before. I've known uh, Mark's work since forever. In fact, just when we just walked in here a few minutes ago, I told him I bought, do, I don't know if you know this, you can buy original art that the comics are made, uh, made from and just to be able to sort of see the creative process. Or the whiteout uh, mistakes, corrections that are made, to see the viscosity of the ink, to see all the happy accidents. But anyway, so I'm a bit of an art collector, and uh, 15, 20 years ago, I bought a piece of original art specifically because of Mark's work on it. The, the penciler was Dale Keown, who's a very, who's an excellent penciler, but I wasn't particularly interested in that necessarily for that purchase to see what the techniques, he, he was doing just magical brushwork, and brushwork is still my favorite. I mean, when you start getting discussions of, of inking, there's always technique involved, and there's materials, and there's tools and whatnot, and, and we all have sort of our favorites, but I'm a big brush guy, and he was doing so much of the best brushwork uh, that it was an opportunity, and it was actually a cheap page, too, so yeah. <laughs> you have to like spend a lot of money. I, I am notoriously cheap, yeah. I didn't buy it because it had like a big shot of a Dale Keown drawn Hulk. It was more of a quiet sort of interlude scene, but there were so many great techniques. Uh, and, I, and again, it was, it was uh, done specifically for uh, uh, his work. But yes, we are in many ways, and correct me if I'm wrong, rather unique in that the way the business works now, and maybe it's been this way all along, is that generally anchors and pencers sort of come and go, and there is very rare that you have sort of a team that becomes established where it almost becomes sort of the iconic look in and of itself. And uh, he's been working on, uh, um, on uh, 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 Alan, Alan Davis, uh, Alan Davis for, for so long uh, and I've, I've worked with him and it's, and it's usually because it's, it's a mutual uh, there's mutual satisfaction that we seem, to, we seem to know what each other wants and expects and there is a trust uh, that, that's involved in, in, in doing that type of thing but again it's, it's so rare but to have two, I mean I, can't, I honestly can't think of, of being able to find two more guys that could come up here and yeah. the longevity as far as being really associated. I know you've yeah. worked on lots of different guys, and I've worked on tons of different guys too. Yeah. Uh, but as far as it being bedrock, sort of the bedrock is yeah, the bedrock is is if usually when people talk to me when I meet people at conventions, they they know me through my work mo very often uh, associated with Jim, and I'm sure it's the same with you with Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could I ask you a question? Yeah. Does Jim ever ask you to do corrections when you've inked stuff? Does he look at it and, and ask Very, you? very rarely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that he's necessarily always happy with everything that I do. I think, I think it meets a certain level of competency. So if there is something that he's not happy with, I think it's good enough that he's willing to just let it go. And I think that's, yeah, I, I mentioned this to somebody else. I I, I draw a lot of my own uh, 
work as well. And I am super fussy about what I think the inks should look like. Uh, and I actually have a bit of a, and I've never, I rarely had my work inked by somebody else. And there is a level of trust that you've got to have in your inker. And I'm not sure I'd be up for it. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I wouldn't be second guessing my inker it's to, it, to a certain extent, it's to Jim's credit that he actually allows me to do the work and to make the mistakes and to bite his tongue, even if it's something that he isn't super uh, thrilled with. Um, and I don't know if you get corrected very often. Because now, um, Alan's always liked to see scans before I send right. them, submit them to Marvel or anything like that. Um, but he does tweak things here and there. It's, it's not major. Does he ask you to tweak things or he just does do it, it himself, do it digitally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make a correction? Yeah. yeah. But the thing Alan always used to do as well, which I used to take the mickey out of him, but I used to, you know, ride him about it. When he got original artwork back, he'd change it himself. <gasps> oh, after it's been published? It's been published. Oh. So what he Why? He said, I'd just like to know where I've made a mistake and learn from... Was it his mistake that he yeah, thought yeah, he'd yeah. made or was it your mistake no, that, that in, in interpreting his style? He used to do Paul Neary as well. Yeah, he I was does. like... This he does. <laughs> yeah, he does very well. And that was actually one of the things I, I found remarkable about... And I have, actually have... I have no problem with inkers who make corrections. I, I, I do it all the time because I want to be free to make the marks and to let it flow and then if I need to make a change I will use whiteout or I will use whatever tool is available to make a correction I don't I, there's no there's no point of pride in having a pristine page but I actually did notice that other than some special effect whiteout stuff on that page that I bought of yours I don't think there was any mistakes I think it was all absolutely pristine I don't think there was any oopses or any it's <laughs> If I look back on my career and, and stages, you know, certain times, yeah. there are certain times when I have a great brush that's working really well. Yeah. And that might have been one of those times when you, the, the line you want to put down goes down. You, you got it. Yeah. You don't have to correct it, thin lines out, type of things, or block lines out. Uh, at the moment, I'm struggling to find a decent brush. Uh, and you probably know this too. It's insidious. There's something weird about... Inkers tend to be very particular about the tools that we use. And... Trust me, most good artists and most good inkers could probably do a reasonably good job inking something with a rusty nail. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best possible tool. But what he's talking about, it, it was that? And ink, of course. Yeah, they, well, you need the ink. You've got to have. You've got to have the pigment, or your own blood from from <laughs> from sacrificing your body to for the cause. But um, but at the, having said that, we are a bit of a slave to our tools in that if we have a great brush or a great nib going, it just it makes the job really easier and you're flowing and you don't make as many mistakes right. and you, you get and you get in the actual intention of what you what you know and what you see and how you envision the artwork to be comes right out of a tool and you're like going, crap, how is this happening? I'm not this good. It's got to be the brush. And you know what? To a certain extent, it's the tool. It's the brush. Um, you, some, you don't have to worry about uh, the, 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 the def default of the brush to, to correct what you ink. You yeah, just think of your line. You don't think uh, about your tool. It's so much easier. But right, right. You, you could just take it for granted that the tool is going to make the exactly the line that you in intended to make. But maybe you noticed it already. But you think the the ink and the brushes are the same quality as no, before? No, because no. I started no, ten years ago, and already I think it's it's bad. No, yes, yeah, yeah. no. Well, 
this is this is like the this is like the old guy rant where it's like yeah, yeah back yeah. when I was first starting the paper was better and the ink was better and the brushes were better and I don't even know if that's true I, I, I think we uh, get I think uh, as we get older we get less tolerant of, I think of, probably do, of the curves that get thrown we don't use marvel paper anymore because uh, we find it unbearable. right it's garbage DC paper was nice for a while it, well it comes and again uh, this is super inside baseball stuff but yes we get different batches of paper it still says let's say for DC it says DC Comics at the top and it all looks the same and it's all measured the same but depending on what batch of paper came from from the manufacturer sometimes it takes the ink great and sometimes it bleeds like a stuck pig it's just you know absurd and so yes fighting the tools and the materials has been and sometimes been I ink Marvel or DC stuff on the top uh, page because dark horse Maybe pages better paper. are great. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, their quality is, is pretty consistent apparently for, for their paper. I think so, yeah. So, so that, is, that is one tool that if, the, because the, the paper you get it for free as an anchor working for... Yeah, but sometimes we, like he said, we, sometimes we either get it from another publisher or I've definitely gone out and bought paper myself if, uh, if what I'm being supplied by the company. And uh, generally, if you're working for Marvel or DC, they will supply the paper. But again, depending on if you're at the point where there's a bad manufacturing run of paper, we will decide this is not acceptable. It's just too much work to make the corrections because the paper is bleeding so let's go and buy our own paper and it's it's even if it even if it's money out of my pocket even if even if the companies didn't reimburse me i would still do it because it makes my life so much easier and the job so much more pleasurable to do if the paper is behaving properly uh, usually the cost is only 20 bucks to to ink a complete issue you know right so it's not it's worth so it. much it's worth it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think so yeah so that is one tool, um, the paper, uh, you've mentioned a brush as well, I'm not an artist myself, yeah. so I'm being schooled by you right now. Um, there was, uh, uh, did, did you've, you've mentioned that you're an old man ranting about how uh, <laughs> it used to be better. Um, there was a period in time where um, inkers were circumvented, uh, by especially by Marvel and DC, where a lot of uh, issues would come out, and they would simply um, shoot from the pencils. Yeah, add, oh. add, add gradient to the pencils. Right. And, That's and the, yeah, and those aren't those right. weren't inked. They were, yeah. and that was either by. There's a lot of reasons they do that. Sometimes the artist wants to keep all the original art for themselves. Sometimes they have a particular uh, style that they find is completed at the pencil stage and why 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 take it any further with with ink um, sometimes, sometimes it's a cost sometimes it's, yeah. a, it's a publishers with a cost cutting measure yeah. because it's like one less guy that they have to pay to get a completed sure. comic um, or maybe it's, a it's, deadline it's never looked as good but but i do want to make a differentiation between what he's talking about which is taking a page that's been completely and relatively tightly penciled and basically scanning it and then going on the computer and changing the threshold or changing yeah. the level and darkening it so that it's dark enough that it simulates a black enough line to print but it looks it doesn't look like an inked page it looks it's like it's, it's crude, crude right 
Um, but now they're, but I want to differentiate that between what's happening now with so many artists using tablets and Cintiqs who actually do digital inks. And I've done both. I've done, obviously 99% of what I've done has been traditional inks with pen and brush and paper and, and India ink. But I, but I actually enjoy uh, digital inking, which again is totally different. You still require sure. a certain, certain skill set, yeah. but you're not just leveling the line to make it darker and call it an ink job. And and, and I think uh, inking is not only a question of black and white on a, on a paper sure. because you can have pure black and pure white if you move the thresholds on Photoshop. But at the end of the day, it's question of line quality, of line depth. Um, and uh, you, you make sure that uh, the, the character in front is in the, the foreground, not in the background. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's much more than just a uh, 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 color of line. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really important. And from my experience, I worked with some pencilers who decided to go fully digital. So uh, they had tight pencils. And uh, instead of using a, a brush on Photoshop or Manga Studio that mimics uh, pencils, they use a brush that mimics brush or pen. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's once again, sometimes it's not good enough from my point of view as an inker, but yeah. from the from the editor point of view, it's good enough because the the reader will on will only spend one minute on each page, usually, if you're lucky, if there is a lot of text, and uh, it's good enough because you don't need to have perfect inking most of the time. Uh, <laughs> that that w I was told. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do feel sometimes inking is a bit of a neglected art because people don't really appreciate it. Yeah, and sometimes I think pencils might well, feel you know, the same the way. The, um, the, the, the eye just scans across a page. Well, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's always sort of the, you know, the, the cliche that the that the inker is is tracing, and there there are some pencilers that pencil so tight that really your job as the inker is to just mimic their line precisely. But that's to me that's 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 not really inking. It's not what I'm really particularly interested in doing. And when I've done those jobs, they've by far been the most boring and the most tedious to do because you're not putting any of yourself on the page. It's it, you really are just reproducing exactly what has already been put down. So the 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 guys that I've worked with in the past, whether it's Jim or I've worked with. Mark Silvestri or Rose Portacio, well, no, but I, I mean, I think some of the old school guys too. I did some John B. Sema and John Byrne and Michael Gold. Michael Golden is a tracing. You're doing, you're doing some pretty serious tracing with Michael Golden. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I even, I even got to some Jack Kirby. But, but mm -hmm. the, the point is, is, is I think as an inker, you're always looking for something where the end result is hopefully something that you can be proud of, but it's also something that you can put some of your, your, your personality in. Well, um, speaking of that. I like um, both. Oops, yeah, so, uh, sorry, I like ahead. both. I like having r rough uh, pencils and uh, putting my own art in my inks, but I also like giving my best line to make sure that everything is smooth if the, if the pencils are tight. For me, it's two different jobs, but I like both. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't want to do only one thing or the right. other. I right. like to have different yeah I, I find it very interesting that you say that those are two different jobs because I, um, so. I would say <laughs> I'm less I, I've seen some of your inking I'm, I'm more familiar with um, Scott and Mark's inking uh, and 
you can always see that it's been inked by either of you, but at the same time, yeah. it still very much maintains um, the personality, say, of the penciler behind it. Well, it's e it, and it's always easier when, when especially in the case uh, of, of when I'm inking Jim, because we have worked together so much sure. that he doesn't need to put all the information down in pencil. So I know what he's intending, even if it's mm -hmm. not all there. Um, and that's just a function of having worked together for, uh, for, for so long. Um, uh, yeah. But Alan's uh, always said to me, um, as long as I keep the hands and the faces as accurate as he draws them, yeah. more or less do what I like, backgrounds especially, you know, they go to town on backgrounds, but also musculature. Alan tends to, you know, pencil very tightly in any case. Right. But he said, if you want to change things a little bit, feel free. I'll change it. In the, when you send me a scan, I'll change it back right. in any case. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but th that is that is an, uh, like a tacit understanding between you and your correct. It's a, uh, that's, a, that's the trust I was talking about. Penciler, right. say, but you have, um, I guess, a, a different school of thought for inking uh, guys like like. Um, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yes. Sorry. Oh, definitely. Uh, who, um, but you know, th th it, it it will sort of still show that there's some Sal Buscema or some Dennis Cohen behind I that. I guarantee. But it's very clearly uh, uh, And I guarantee that that anyone who r really appreciates the art of comics uh, and has an, and ha and and learns to acquire an eye for it, and not to mention other professional artists, can always tell when and who an inker is that inks various pieces of work, even if it's, you know, so if I was to ink Bill Sienkiewicz, for example, you know, which is not a pairing you would ever imagine me doing, like like Scott Williams inking Bill Sienkiewicz. Bill Sienkiewicz inks Bill Sienkiewicz and he does it just right. Why would Scott? But if I ever if I ever did try to do it, I would try to sort of put on my Bill Sienkiewicz hat and I would try to ink it in as Bill Sienkiewicz-y a way as I possibly could. Now, if you're, if you're all familiar with his work, but it's very kinetic, very energetic. There's not, there's a lot of spontaneity. There's not a, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not as concerned with a tightness. It's more of a, it's, a, it's almost more of, of a feeling. But having said that, if I was to try and do it in a Bill Sienkiewicz kind of way, I guarantee these guys up on stage and probably some of you out there who are really plugged into comics would go, Okay, first of all, Bill Sienkiewicz didn't ink that, and I know that within like half a second. And if I look around long enough, you know, did, did Scott Williams ink? You know, because, because inking and, and, and it's very much like having a signature. If you, the if way you do strokes. Well, the way you do strokes I, eventually becomes a muscle memory thing where as much as you want to try to mimic another style or to get outside of your, of your own style and, and do something that's completely different, you may have certain levels of success we're able to pull some things off but there will always be telltale bits and pieces of information where that's you could just tell you know that's that's a scott williams line or a bill sinkevich's line or a mark Farm. you know it's like you, you can always tell i think, I think less so with with uh, or or more so with bill sinkevich you, you talked about hats about wearing different yeah. hats if you get um uh but i, I guess Th th there probably aren't very many Bill Sienkiewicz penciled pages because he just no, probably no, goes no. in with with the entire toolkit. Right. While uh, other pencilers will go, oh, I know this is going to be inked. And, and in the case sure. of Jim Lee or, or Alan Davis, for instance, they know it's going to be inked by you. So even if they have an off day, 
they still know this will be what I intend. And it's not even be. always a off day. Sometimes it's just you, you know there's a there's a deadline looming. Yeah, sure. Gotta, and sure. it's just you know he can't spend as much time on a page. So then there again, that's where the trust level comes in. It's like okay, I can't. If this is what if if Jim is drawing a page and it's normally a eight hour page for him, but he only has five hours to do it because the because of the de the deadline, he knows he can give it to me and I will at least make it look presentable, professional. I will fill in the blanks where he's not putting everything in because again, it's been so many years of of, of sort of understanding his shorthands. Uh, and 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 again, I I, I I'm still sort of struck by the fact that that. I think it was a couple of years ago, somebody asked me, like, you know, you, you seem to have a, a, a real tight working relationship with Jim. You know, like, I, I, you know, I can't think of anybody else who's worked with another artist for this long and where, where there is that level of trust and where you can sort of, you know, fill in the, the gaps of the, of the other artists. And it took us a while. We actually did. And, and you and, and Alan came up as really the only other example. So it is, it is a rarity. No. In modern comics. In right? modern comics, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack yeah. Kirby and Kirby Time, yeah. 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 And Senate, yeah. 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 Long sure. Long. But even that was, how long a run did they have where they worked together seriously? Like, it felt like a long time. It still felt like a long time, but it wasn't a long time. And I, yeah. Yeah, it was maybe maybe a decade and a half. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, the, the Jack Kirby, Joe Sinnott relationship is a bit of a controversial thing, right? There's two schools. People that say, well, Joe Sinnott, he ruined everything uh, Jack Kirby ever did. <laughs> the school, well, he yeah, but you're going to find, find people who are going to disagree with just about anything. Yeah, sure. And, I, and I think the vast, vast majority of people will say, Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott, that's that worked pretty well. I think yeah. Vince Coletta owns the title of ruining Jack Kirby's pencils personally. <laughs> I didn't like his stuff at all. <laughs> Vince Coletta. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. We could, we could, we've all got our, some of our, favorite and then least favorite combinations I, I try not to go down that route but there are there are definitely certain sort of classic combinations of pencils and inkers which lasted much longer than they should have and you're like wondering didn't anybody else see what i'm seeing right here that this is not working like yeah. you know if you're gonna get jack kirby to draw something why don't you call senate to to, to yeah. ink it you know whatever yeah. Yeah. um so uh, going back maybe a little bit to those hats, um, would you ever consider, uh, or 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 has what you are doing in in your work become your signature, or would you? Because you you said you were you would try to be Bill Sienkiewicz if you get Bill Sienkiewicz. Yes. Would you try to overtly Scott Williams something? I, I think I did that as a younger artist through sort of hubris, through trying to establish uh, a signature look. So I think I was pretty fearless as far as being overpowering. So I, I think, yes, I would get pencils by somebody and I would just ink it in my style. And, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes it probably pleased the artist that I was working with and sometimes it probably didn't and maybe I didn't 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 hear about it uh, I'm a little more respectful now and uh, that and that I if I'm given um, I try to look if I, if I'm working with somebody I think the last I mean the last couple okay here's an example um, when I inked Neil Adams on the uh, Batman Odyssey, Batman Odyssey. It, and that was an interesting job because uh, Neil has a very strong opinion about what works and what doesn't work. Now, I'm a big Neil Adams fan, and he's a, probably best known for 
for some of his Batman and DC and Marvel work from late 60s, early uh, 70s. Huge fan. I collect his artwork. I have a lot of the original artwork from that vintage period, um, and I'm a big admirer of his of his ink line and and some of the inkers that he's associated with uh, Dick Giordano and Tom Palmer uh, uh, I have originals by them I've looked at them I, I really admire and respect them um, when I was assigned to ink this Batman job what I decided to do is I want to see if I can pull off sort of a Neil Adams line circa 1970 71 um, pulled out and I was already extremely familiar with what his line looked like and Neil Adams being a legend I want to I, I want to please him but I also was having a sort of a fan reaction to working on it and that I wanted to kind of relive my nostalgia my my favorite sort of Neil Adams period well the thing is when we did this Batman project it was the year 2006 Neil's work in 2006 or 7 whenever it was doesn't look the same as it did in 1970 or 1969 he's his 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 art has changed his line has changed and evolved um and his the way he sees his work now he sees it through the prism of the year 2006 he doesn't really reference i think he i think he acknowledges it but he doesn't reference his own older work well what did i do i did a whole bunch of pages in as Vintage a Neil Adams look as I possibly could have and was actually pretty proud of it I think you could still tell that I inked it for sure because of what we talked about. I have telltale Hand signature bits that I just I can't shake but I was definitely Getting the Neil Adams vibe circa 1970 and he got the pages and I don't think he really liked it very much because it it, it had a smoothness uh, not a slickness, but it had a smoothness that is, does not resonate with what he's doing right now. What he's doing right now is really rough. It's really sketchy. It's got a lot of energy to it, um, but we were not we were not in no, in, in, in sync. sync. Yeah. Um, and it 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 created and talk about make, making making changes. I would send the boards in, and then he would he would he would he would change them. Um, so yeah, it's a it, it's 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 a little dicey as far as being able to go in and and try to impose either your own inking and artistic will or 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 in the case of Neil Adams trying to impose his old version of himself yeah. and that still didn't quite work yeah. as well as he would have liked. I would say that inking is drawing someone someone else drawing with your own hand. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and it, sometimes you feel li like uh, a style would be great. Uh, yeah. For example, I inked uh, a French artist called Roland Bosky, and I was thinking that uh, Sin City Frank Miller touch would be great. And he told me that uh, he loves Frank Miller as a writer. That's a total miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, because uh, Bosky has uh, he doesn't do solid blacks, for instance, right? Not so much. Yeah, and and yeah, and you think of since he is having lots of deep yeah. blacks. He doesn't want that. Yeah. He wants, uh, exactly the lines and the in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's take it back a little. Um, you you've you've mentioned that you know uh, you started out. Um, and you saw what other artists were doing, and you said, "Well, always, yeah. yeah. I, I think we all study uh, sure, other artists." Um, uh, but, but how did you? Uh, I don't know if you fell into, but how did you end up 
being a full-time professional inker and yeah. not uh, any other um, part of the creative. Yeah, and I think I think most of the inkers who have a level of success are probably reasonably good artists. They can draw. They can draw reasonably well. They may have an Achilles heel. For me, it was always a speed issue. Uh, I could never do what I wanted to do quickly this enough. This had to do with your fussiness, maybe? Maybe. I think it's, I, I, it's just a flaw in, my, in, in whatever my, uh, is in my, my weapons case. Uh, it, speed was never one of the things that I was good at. I was constantly second-guessing myself, making changes. And I could do it. But I think the difference for me is, yes, I got into co so I got into comics thinking I was going to be drawing comics, like literally drawing and maybe inking myself, but basically drawing comics. I think most people who get into to comics and end up inking probably thought they were going to be drawing comics their whole life. But then, but then some re no, okay, all right. So we're all so we're all different. We'll get to you in a yeah. um, But I think the, and then the other thing that happened once I realized from a speed standpoint uh, wasn't going to work out. The reality is I fell into working with some really talented artists from a very early point in my career, and I realized that the two of us, as working artists, created work that together was superior to anything that I could create myself, and I really wanted to create artwork that had impact, and I thought what I could do if you're and this is totally just relative, if you're talking about a scale of 1 to 10, like a really crappy just breaking into the business comic book artist is a one and then you know jack kirby frank miller bill sinkevics neil adams is a, is a 10. you know on a good day i'm a four or a five but if i work with with john Busamo, or if i work with neil adams or if i work with jim lee i can get up to nines and tens and be a, at least be a part of it and so there was a real appeal to being a part of a creative process that could create work that was superior to anything that i could do on my own uh, where the the whole was uh, larger than the sum of its parts yes yeah. that's exactly right i also think as an inker you really have to take a step back ego wise yes oh absolutely know that the pencil is the top dog yes although marvel and dc try to make the writers more now yes they do but the, even that's cyclical where there have been times where artists sort of yeah. you know especially like in the early image days where the artist was the rock star and, the, and yeah. then writers who needs writers and then it went like the other switch where it's like all writers and then oh the artists yeah i guess they draw the comics or something you know <laughs> we've may not find these days that we have problems with the colorists because the colorists overpowering does, sometimes does apply to you because you work with alex the most yeah day, but uh we we find that the ego of the colorists often well it can obliterate the artwork or the mood the intentions and what you're trying to do on the page in black and white right and the colorists will come in and and because they work so close to deadline, there's never any chance to say, can we just change Absolutely. Um, so we just tend to step back now from the coloring process and almost always disappointed. And when you do get a good color issue, you think he's working to what, I should point out that Alan's taste in color of mine are quite different as well. Are they? So we're often telling colorists different things. Different things. Um, but um, yeah, sometimes the colorist will take a page, turn it around and we don't really get that chance to and if they do come to our way of thinking you'll find that marvel will say no we don't want to employ you anymore so there's a bit mm. of a clash like that which is unfortunate. that's what, mm. that's pretty weird actually that um so so marvel would go against your wishes of what the art would yeah, look yeah, like yeah, yeah. because the they have a certain yeah. 
a certain idea of, of sometimes, sometimes it's just as simple as as the editor having a yeah. particular idea about how the story should go what the story should look like and sometimes they're not particularly trained as an artist to know like what works and what doesn't yeah no well yeah they don't even yeah sometimes yeah, there's horror stories we could all tell about but sometimes in curse i asked to change the drawings uh by the editor for example you have a it's just uh, an example like uh, another but you have a drawing that looks like umberto ramos and they ask you to do it uh, the Gentusima way. Right, totally right. different style. And Inappropriate. You can't. Uh, yeah. or, or, or you can, and it's unfaithful to, uh, to, the, to the penciler. Yeah. It's, it's something yeah. you, you shouldn't do. Right, yeah. right, right. I should point out that I'm a big fan of black and white artwork as well. Without, Me too. Without color on it, where you can Me just, too. you know, the British tradition was always black and white. Sure. Right, well, I was, I was thrilled when they they started they they published an edition of hush in black and white it was like and i yeah, i love what what uh, alex sinclair did as far as the coloring goes and he always gives me a hard time about it but when they put out the the hush noir book all in black and white i say ooh yeah <laughs> that was good stuff so uh um mark how how did you because you uh, sort of started out i guess as as both because also in the 2000 ad tradition there isn't or there is less of a division between penciler and inkers? Yeah. Um, I, st I, I find that when I pencil something, I get very impatient. Can we can we check your mic because I'm not sure. Is is he is he okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I get very impatient. I can't be bothered finishing a page and cleaning it up. I start inking far too soon. Right. So it becomes a bit of a hodgepodge, and I know this is a failing. You're talking about your lack of speed as a, as mm -hmm. a lack of. Uh, incentive to pencil more. Um, I just get very, very fed up of penciling. I start inking, and the drawing's not there, the building's not there, you know, the structure's not there, so it looks sloppy, it looks rubbish. So, uh, years and years ago, like in the mid 70s, when we used to have fanzines around, I used to submit drawings, and then there was one guy, a local lad, and he said, um, your, your penciling's weak, but your inking's great. I thought, oh, thank you. <laughs> and he said, but I know somebody who's a good drawer, but his, his inking's rubbish. Why don't you try inking <laughs> him? So we worked together. And this lad's name is Mike Collins. He worked for DC mm. for a few years. And uh, he, works, he lives in Wales now, so he works mostly on Doctor Who comics. Uh, but we teamed up together, which is quite unusual in British comics, because normally the pencil was the sure. full package. So we started working together, submitting samples to 2000 AD and Marvel UK, who were doing original stuff at the time. And I think my stuff just got noticed. Then when people started working for DC Comics and Marvel Comics, they asked me to step over and do it with them. And then here you are, yeah. So yeah. penciling, it's like a muscle that I've not used for a long time. Yeah. Anybody who's seen me sketching at the table at the convention can, <laughs> can vouch for that. It's, as you say, there's a, there's a certain level of competence, right. but I really don't do enough penciling to push myself on to be a, to call myself a... But there is something, that there's, does seem to be something intrinsic about the act of inking, and that, that's what we're here talking about is inking. There's something about the act of inking which is very satisfying from the, from the standpoint that you get some incredibly accomplished artists using, again, using a name like Bill Sienkiewicz or Kevin Nolan, uh, uh, and, and I could probably think of several others of artists who are extremely, extremely celebrated for their, their drawing ability, and they take chunks in their career where they 
do nothing but ink work over other over other artists. Now, some of them it may be something that they can do quickly, and so there's a financial incentive. But I but I've talked to enough of them to know that there's something just very satisfying about being the guy who's in charge of the, of the final look of the page and the actual application of the ink and seeing it go from the from the gray tones of the pencils to black and 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 if you really want to as like, again using Kevin Nolan as an example uh, he creates work that at the end looks as much like a finished Kevin Nolan piece as it does whoever he he's inking so there is there is uh, uh, there is something about about inking um, that isn't just rote or slavish or mind mind brain dead. There there's there there's creativity that's involved that I think can be very satisfying. Yeah. yeah. It can be intimidating as well because as those samples there show, it's not the penciler's work at the end of the day that gets printed. It's, right. it's your interpretation sure. of it, which yeah. it's a bit of a burden to <laughs> and it's a, responsibility and it's ironic if something looks like a, a mistake they'll probably blame you well absolutely if something looks good it's a, it's a catch-22 if something looks really great a lot of times the pencil artist <laughs> is getting the credit and if something doesn't look quite well if something looks a little bit off then usually the anchor gets the blame yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with that deadline yeah. Yeah. Well, I just blame the colorist yeah days. actually the colorist <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well, well so speaking about I want to get to you um, how, how did you decide because you, you, you're you're sort of uh, going going backwards, right? Because you started off as an anchor, and yeah. now you're trying to be a full artist. Yes, I um, as everyone, I started as a full artist as a, as a teenager and sure, a sure. child, and uh, I was showing my drawings to to people, and they told me that my drawings were okay, but my inks. Uh, sucked, so I had your ink sucked. Yeah, okay. I had to practice right. inking, and <laughs> I realized that I liked it because at first I was thinking that inking was just tracing your own line, so you're doing the same job twice. twice. It was boring as hell. But that, that's that's what you still for yourself at least well, I didn't feel. Finish that, lines. Yeah. I just got very impatient and yeah, thought, oh, yeah. why, why am I penciling this when I know I can ink it? Yeah. But I didn't put that structure down and yeah. that solid drawing, so the inking didn't hold together very well. Right. Yeah. And I, I so I, I liked inking and at some point I started to rush my pencils to, to go directly to inks. Um, and uh, the drawings were not great neither because uh, my uh, pencils were not good enough. Yeah. And uh, that's why I decided to, to become an inker when I decided to do uh, to work in the comic book industry. Um, that's why uh, I said that it was not my case at first. I didn't want to be a computer artist. But nowadays, since it's more and more difficult to... Well, as I said, I started 10 years ago. Just remember that 10 years ago, it was the first iPhone. There was no Cintiq. Uh, nowadays, you have uh, iPhone 10. You have a Cintiq. Everyone, y technology, uh, uh, technology has changed a lot in 10 years. That's why I can I can rely on uh, Photoshop and Manga Studio to do my pencils and uh, do my own ink. Uh, things have changed, and once again, it's changed as well for pencilers. Nowadays, they don't really need inkers. Yep. I think they still do, as I said earlier, but... Uh, Th they think they don't. Yeah, and the editors uh, agree with that because uh, it's good enough. And, and, and what I uh, heard, by I guess every artist's process is his own process. Most of the time, uh, the, the pencils will be analog and the inks will be done digitally. You're doing 
the the opposite thing. Yes, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. For example, that drawing in the middle, it's yeah. my pencils and my inks, and I did uh, digital pencils, and I print it on uh, in blue line, and uh, right. I ink on the on, yeah. on paper because I think I'm a better inker than penciler, and I I'm used to use brush, yeah, and ink, yeah. And and you don't miss the the um, control Z. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> well, if I do a lot of pencils and then uh, if I do, for example, three pages in pencils and then I uh, start inking, uh, yeah, I need a few minutes to adjust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. It's fine. Like, like going from acerty <laughs> to qwerty uh, uh, yeah. keyboards. Yeah. Um, so th you've you've um, said that that with technology. Um, uh, the pencilers feel like they don't need an anchor anymore. Uh, is that something uh, you feel economically as well? For instance, well, you, you've you clearly, um, but maybe that well, has to do with with your geographical position as well. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't no. think so because yeah. uh, for DC Comics in Los Angeles, they don't care whether you live in Chile or in Rouen. Yeah, I live in Rouen, true. in Normandy, so for them it's the same. We don't yeah. uh, have a beer together, uh, so. They don't because no, I mean, I think so. And uh, well, uh, you were saying economic. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so you know that 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 you get less jobs as oh an yeah, anchor. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I try to be yeah. my own uh, a complete artist nowadays. Sure. Uh, because I think Mark and Scott and uh, Jonathan Glapion or or s Dan Mickey are, are um, masters in inking. In inking, but. Uh, well, maybe 20 years ago, you needed uh, a lot of inkers to to fill the blacks for all the all the comics because you uh, uh, a, s a single guy couldn't do uh, pencils and inks. But nowadays, you can do both. So only the best inkers will stay in the market, I think. That that might be true. Uh, it's it's. I'm sort of still. Uh, I'm sort of on, on my little island, and so the, yeah. the the realities of the way the business is going now is. Is it's different than when I got in, which which was there were there were lots and lots of of jobs for pencilers and for inkers. Assuming you know you're 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 qualified if you were good enough, uh, I think there are probably now a lot of people who are who are quite good who just can't yeah. get well, can't get work. I, I would say that, uh, and I will not give names, but at the time some inkers were not good enough. That's but no, that's true. <laughs> so that's true, that, and, but and that's been true. Not yeah. just not just when I first got in, but 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 far earlier uh, than than that. I, I will look. I mean, I will say, and, and I don't. I don't. Stan Lee was was the publisher's nephew when he started. There's the, there's a nepotism. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. always some some degree of nepotism. He, he turned out to be all right as a creator, but um, yeah. th there's there's always at the start probably some degree of nepotism everywhere. Y yeah, probably. but. Uh, well, again, it's 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 a market that's that is changing. I I, I think it would be harder to get in uh, today mm. to a large extent. I think you'd have to. I I do think there are some amazing artists. I think uh, if you I, and it may just be because uh, social media now has enabled people to be more aware of of artists that aren't necessarily doing monthly books. So I I follow. 
and I'm not like a huge social media guy, but on Instagram or, or, or Twitter or, or other uh, social media platforms, I follow a lot of guys who, frankly, I don't know who they are or exactly what they work on, but they have lots of followers. And the reason they have lots of followers and they're, and they're, they're finding some success in, from a career standpoint, either in comics or, or sort of tan, tangential to comics, is because they're really good. There's a lot of really, really good artists. And th- it seemed like, there were some periods of time as when I got into the business that they really struggled to find like 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 high quality artists. But I don't know if everybody who I follow, who I'm aware of, do they necessarily want to do comics? Do they want to do games or or, or design? Or do they want? I mean, I'm not I'm yeah, not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what the and there's also a, there's, you, there's, uh, there's artists different way to living monetize. Yeah, you can monetize yourself yeah. in, in much different ways now, um, and you can follow and you can create. A fan following without even, you know, being a Marvel artist or a tradition. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's 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 very different. But I do think I do think in some ways the bar has been raised. And some some artists I may not even necessarily be a, a huge fan of the style of the work that we work on. But I can't deny the fact that what I'm seeing is like really high caliber uh, uh, work. Um, I think the one thing that technology's changed for me and Alan, I know we talk about it quite often is you don't build up the relationship with editors that you did in the past. Right. You spoke to them on the phone or made them at conventions. Right. Because it's all just emails these days. You know, it's just a curt message and, and it's purely business. So yep. you don't yeah. build up that relationship. You don't get to know them as well as you used to. And that's that's a bit disappointing. I kind of miss that in uh, in some respect. Because the first work I did for Marvel was when Carl Potts approached me and asked me to ink Alien Legion. A book oh, book over yeah. Strowman. Yeah. And that was great because I got a chance to try different techniques over Larry's pen. Yeah. He was quite open to there, are, there, were, there were some editors back when we first started, and he mentioned Carl Potts. He was, Carl Potts is another guy that, that I started working with from the very beginning. And he, he, found, he found Jim Lee. He found Wills Portacio. He found uh, Mike Mignola. Uh, I don't know about Art Adams, but, but anyways, all the, some guys from, from around that period. Anyways, a, a fair, but he was, he was one of those guys, that, and I'm not sure if they exist today, he was one of those guys that found new talent that, that, that showed a lot of promise and would cultivate it. And it was something that, that he was good at and he was interested in doing. And I think he's right that today, I'm not sure, A, if there are any editors. And that's you got to understand, that's, that's sort of how the pipeline works, is the editor is kind of the, the conduit between the company, and the publisher, and the, and the, and the talent. Um, and I'm not sure if there are guys who are who are, who are doing that. So there. Well, uh, you used to be part of a studio that did that. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Armored Studios and, and then Wildstorm but Studios. But, and, but that is, uh, I guess, by the time DC bought, but that that's a, a discussion for a different panel. Right. Uh, but uh, by the time DC bought uh, Wildstorm Studios, that was maybe less the case by then. I I, I don't know. Uh, no, we were still when 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 we when DC, when DC bought Wildstorm Studios, we were still functioning as a very robust studio, still yeah. bringing in new talent, still trying to uh, generate uh, the next Jeff Scott Campbell yeah. or the next Travis Charest or, or the guys who had come in sure. at, uh, on a previous generation and had become presence a presence in 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 the industry. Um, but yes, you're right. There did come a point some years later where sort of economic realities yeah. and politics and all kinds of things took over to where our studio couldn't function as it was and we basically just became part of of, of the dc i guess um editorial uh, 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 penciler um anchor team up we sort of forgot because it's been a while since 
they work together is Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Cusada. Right. Uh, and, and, that, and, that, and they were, they were Palmiotti used to be a very prolific inker, but um, I guess it's around 10 years ago he decided, well, I, th these jobs aren't doing it. Uh, they, they discussed this. I, I, I read or heard this on, in interviews where he said, well, yeah, but the, the, the jobs aren't coming as easily as sure. they used to. And, and I guess you, the, the both of you, sort of have a privileged position where you have. A, um, a high-profile yes um, penciler that I that think I think so. We were talking about it on the on the way over. A lot of times, yeah. if, that if you really want to try to make a living as 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 an inker, and I you need to I have a hard time recommending it as a as a career. Right. I think I think if you're really good, you could probably become an inker for major comics. But I don't know if you're going to get paid particularly well. I don't know if you're going to enjoy the working conditions. I don't know if you're going to enjoy trying to find pencilers to work with. But if you do manage to find someone who you're simpatico with, who you have a chemistry with, that you agree on an art style that seems to be something that you mutually would like to aspire to, uh, if you're both ambitious, you know, those types of things. And these were things that I had with Jim and Wills and Mark Silvestri and some of the guys that I worked with more than any, than, than, than other, other artists, it became uh, a very easy relationship and a smart business decision. Um, but if you don't, if you can't find that as an anchor trying to get into the business, if you can't find that, that, that other component to sort of, you know, chase the dream together with, then I think you, then I think you're right. Uh, the Jimmy Palmiotti's of the world may have struggled once Casada decided to do whatever he was going to do. Then all of a sudden he lost his lifeline, and and he's going to rise and fall based on the merits of his work or or finding another collaborator to 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 work with. So it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, d d you've um, been uh, r let's say. R r um, uh, relatively negative towards uh, some colorists, but um, in, in, in your um, relationship, you have Alex Sinclair, uh, Jimmy, sure. and you that are doing the whole thing, and that, so and that, and that definitely helps. Yeah, yeah, and it, there, there is um, a way for you to, um, I guess, use the colorist as a penciler traditionally uses an inker to say, well, he'll. He'll fix it. He'll he will he will make it make somehow. I've seen like process pages. Uh, uh, Brandon Peterson did that, for instance. Right. Um, he would he, he would draw these sure. cosmic. And there are yes, there are definitely. But it needs to it needs it needs it usually needs it usually needs to be worked out and planned yeah, out sure. between the penciler and the inker and the colorist to be all on the same page as uh, Jim and Alex and I are, and that we, if there is a particular effect that the coloring can perform. Uh, equal or better to to what Jim and I would do with the with the pencils and the inks, uh, you know, so much the better. Yeah, the coloring coloring has changed, and I think in some ways it has become a bit overpowering because the tool that is used to color the computer is so powerful that it's 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 it tends it can take over the job. The, the colorist has so many tools and so many and and can become it can become so heavy-handed because there are so many options a, and he's gonna and he's gonna throw everything including the kitchen sink at it and it can just be sort of like a visual overload Sometimes when just here, colorist has got a great color sense but his technical skills aren't that great right then a guy can do all the bells and whistles on photoshop but he's got no color sense at all. and i think we would both agree that 
we would much rather have the guy with the color, the color sense, and the color skills, and less, and, and keep it simple. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna make an error one side or the other, error on the side of simplicity rather than just throwing everything in the kitchen, you know, in the yes. kitchen sink at it. And there, there was a, a a while. I guess it's less so now, or it depends on the colorist as well. Where the um, the texturing that was in art was just left out and, and left completely to the colorist. The texturing. Uh, texturing like li uh, um, uh, uh, where where different materials have a different texture. Oh. You know something. So yeah. metal has a sheen to it, Dip and you could see that in the right. works. And there was a period where that disappeared completely. You just had outlines, and if you looked uh, at the finished colored piece, you could see oh. This is armor, and this is not just. Mm. Uh, there is worse. Yeah, I remember a page I did on uh, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There was a, a Millennium Falcon flying a planet with trees and clouds and uh, wind and uh, many, many, many details. And the colorist just pasted a picture of a random oh. planet on it. <laughs> oh, so oh, completely overrode what you yeah. and uh, guys had, had created in the inks and the, the pencils. The page looks great, so I can't complain. Oh. But uh, I did something. And uh, maybe it happened to you uh, someday that you, you do the wheels of a, of, of a car with a lot of texture and, right. uh, and it does a blur. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, they use the blur tool to create motion when oh, you, you put you everything. <laughs> I, I saw the image as a frozen moment in time, and they're seeing it cinematically, and it's like, well, let's let's create sort of a blur effect, and yeah, it's, you know. You know, the same thing happens. It's kind of one of the funny little things that happens as 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 an as an inker in that we get whole pages and a pencil or two we get the, there's whole pages of art and we draw all this stuff and then if you have a very heavy-handed writer all this stuff that you spent hours and hours sweating over laboring just gets covered up by captions and word balloons and it's just part of the job description you just yeah, yeah exactly right right there are some writers that are definitely known for just packing the pages so you're kind of after a while you kind of wonder, should I really spend all the time on this background when I bet there's a word balloon right there? But you do it, you know, you just do it because you you, you never know. That's going to be like the one spot that they, they decided to like have a quiet beat. And you're like, oh, I really kind of hacked that out because I thought it was going to get covered by a word balloon. But, you know. But you Again, don't that was one of the things that Alan did, a bit of a control freak. He used to give instructions to the letterist, the, the letterer, sorry, to uh, where the captions and balloons should be placed. Mm -hmm. But it was all hand-lettered. Now he's done digitally, we haven't got that control, you know. Right, right. Keeps it again, taking a bit of control yeah. over. He was always very fussy about where the, nothing jars more than when you're reading something. And you're yeah, you can't follow the, 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 the flow, yeah. But you don't ask for the script? Just to make sure. Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. I do. But, Is well, I, I don't always, we don't always get the script. We sometimes get plots, and sometimes there may be, some suggested dialogue, but we don't get full. We don't always get full scripts, on, depending on on who the writer is and what the project or is and, and what the what the workflow <laughs> is. Um, so yeah. Um, so uh, maybe I'll I'll finish with. Um, do you have a favorite project? Something that you look back on, that the, or or something that you want to be remembered for forever? I think my favorite project would be the Fantastic Four the end, which was like I think a five or six issue. Self-contained series that Alan wrote and mm -hmm. penciled, and colouring was good. John Kalish coloured it; and it was good, solid. Um, but again, John Kalish, not 
Swaggy just worked on because he worked really well with us. But again, Marvel asked him to go in a different direction once mm. once we'd built up a rapport with him, which was unfortunate. But there yeah. you go. So yeah, I say the Fantastic Four. My personal favourite would be Superboy's Legion, uh, an Elseworld story that I wrote. <laughs> uh, is, it, sure. is that a favourite sure. because you wrote it? Because I wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. I agreed to pencil it because he knew I was very fond of it. Yeah. So, it's all comics. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say a favourite because I tend to, well, I think most artists tend to see the warts. The, the, bar, the bad parts yeah. on every job that we do, even if we can sort of appreciate the, the good parts. So it's more, it's more, uh, it's almost more kind of comes down to career goals in that I was such a nerdy, dorky comic fan that I always wanted to do comics. And, and there were certain sort of milestone jobs that you could, uh, that you could hope to achieve. And I grew up mostly a Marvel fan. I, I played a lot of DCs as well, but I was mostly a Marvel fan. But getting, at the time I got into the business in 1985, X-Men was sort of like a pinnacle book. And I was a big fan of the Chris Claremont, John Byrne books, and Paul Smith, and a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the X-Men stuff that came before me, including the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby's. But anyways, so X-Men, getting to, getting to do the X-Men became sort of a career, like I can check off that box. And I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed that was when Jim and I really kind of started getting it going. We 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 had started it on some Punisher War Journal, and I really thought there was some potential there. But it wasn't until we sort of our careers really and artistic abilities sort of flowered on X Men. So it became sort of a a again I could check off the box, and we were doing what I thought was was pretty was was the best work that we could have possibly done at that time. But then as, as again as a dorky geeky comic book fan i always thought at some point i really want to do a good batman project so when we got to do the hush book uh which a lot of fans seem to still really like to this day i'm still very proud of that and it was a and it was the moment that i got to work on on a on a a, if if you would have asked the 10 year old scott williams what are you going to do someday i would have probably said i want to be a comic book artist that draws batman well i didn't exactly draw batman i've drawn some versions of batman on my own but i got to work on a really fairly celebrated version of Batman at just the right time uh, with just the right creative uh, uh, talent and so those and it may not be technically my best work but it was Batman and I got a chance sure. to, to do Batman and it was very satisfying from, yeah. from, from a lot of different Imagine. a lot of different levels yeah, yeah. and the, the, uh, Julia I, you have less um, uh, projects, yeah. of course, finished than uh, these two, but go ahead. Um, I really enjoyed working on uh, Injustice because, uh, once again, as a 10-year-old kid, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, imagined uh, working on Superman. My grandmother didn't read any Superman comic or so she didn't see any movie, but uh, if she looked at the Superman symbol, she, she knew it was, <laughs> it was Superman. Was Superman. <laughs> and uh, my name is on the list of all the guys who worked on that character, so it's really, it's great. It's a bittersweet experience sure. because it ended and I uh, would have loved continuing King yeah. uh, Injustice, but mm-hmm. unfortunately the Petsilor moved on to something else and uh, I, I, I lost this job, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. But maybe the next one will be better. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> there's, there's always <laughs> the next one, sure. Yeah. Um, are there any more questions? Don't, feel, don't be scared. You can talk into my mic if you want. Or not. Go ahead. Good question. 
I don't know about, I mean, I think most of us got into comics because of the characters. Uh, and I think if you'll if you'll look through most of the sketchbooks, and I, 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 this isn't 100%, but if, but if you look at most of the sketchbooks of artists and inkers and whatnot, you'll probably see it's full of characters and a lot less background. So I think they're, yeah, I think it, it's it's logical to assume that drawing characters are, are, are more fun. However, because this is an, an inking panel, a lot of times the most fun that I have are doing backgrounds. The characters... The characters propel the story and they're sort of more intrinsically interesting unless you find a way from an inking standpoint to have the background become the characters. And I said this in another panel somewhere that when we were doing Batman, the Gotham City became very much a character because it has such a lot of the way that it's, you know, kind of dark and gritty and it's got smoke and steam and grit and blood and urine and smell you know it's just it's you know it's it, it has a it has a character of its own and so to uh, i would honest this is 100 percent honest there were pages where the background inking the background was probably way more fun than inking the, whatever batman was doing or whatever the joker was doing and i just enjoyed doing that but that but there are there are examples and conversely when we did on the on that Batman arc, we did a Superman section that took place in Metropolis. Metropolis is a much more modern technological city, so you're taking out your ruler and your ruling lines, which, if as an inker, is really boring. Templates, ruling lines, <sighs> you know. So those were not. So in that case, any character doing anything was way more fun than inking yeah. Metropolis. Yeah. 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 I, I would say that sometimes uh, when you ink a character, you have the pressure because you can't miss anything. You can't mess up anything mm -hmm. because the penciler will not accept it. But it doesn't look at the backgrounds neither. So, <laughs> so you can do whatever you want. Yeah, because that, that is something that a lot of inkers do, right? Um, uh, for instance, Al Milgram did that when um, Bob Harris was replaced by Joe Posada. He put... Uh, a bit of a slurry message in one of the backgrounds of oh yeah I put, I've put I've stuck I've hidden things in yeah. the background Me too. you just have to know yeah. your boundaries <laughs> know what you can get away with and stuff uh, sure yeah that's 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 one of the prerogatives of being I the inker of being the last guy to have have the artwork I inked a book for French market um, and um, it was not very uh, it, it was a tense rela relationship with my editor okay. and I think I uh, managed to add a penis in each page of the book. A penis? Yeah. Only <laughs> me knows it. <laughs> it's very small or detail. People now know it now. <laughs> yeah, you can look for, for them. <laughs> I've always enjoyed doing jungles. Listening to Scott earlier, Mr. Redondo was a, yeah. a big influence. And if you look how lush his lines yeah. is when he did uh, I, I, The jungles, I, I immediately see Alfredo Alcala, yeah. uh, Conan, yeah. the Savage Swords uh, jungles, yeah. I love doing jungles. But yeah, there's um, Alan and myself working on three hundred page original graphic novels for Marvel at the moment. And he's finished the first one. I've got 20 pages to ink when I get back. The Silver Alan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Jim Starlin writing. Oh, okay. It's called. Infinity, siblings, it's Thanos and Eros. Right. It out. Um, and there's a double page spread. Alan sent me the sky. I actually got the pages at home, but there's a double page spread. Thanos of the past, Thanos as is now, and Thanos of the future, all standing in the ruins of Titan, the planet where they right. destroyed. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and Alan's penciled it, but it's very loose at the, in the background. I'm thinking, yeah, get the figures finished, and I'll 
it's counterproductive really because financially you should be moving on right <laughs> that's the kind of stuff where you can actually show what you're meant to be doing yeah. and, uh, yeah. and that the, and again because it's an inking panel that a lot of that comes down to that the tools that we use like brushes and quills but but especially brushes they sort of lend itself to organic stuff like like foliage like like jungles and things like that so you, you can basically let the brush and the India ink make the line it was designed to make, and all of a sudden you have like blades of grass, or you have you know a, a you know palm tree, or you know the rocks and rumble you rocks ink and are great. Yeah, that's because because I'm allowing the tool. I'm not. It's I'm just le letting the tool make the line it was designed to make. I, I learned that from an art teacher many years ago, long before I was a. a a professional and we would be using these wide Conti crayons and I would be trying to like use it in a very linear way and he would sh and he said no it's it's like this it, you can use it tonally you can use the side of it you can you can vary the pressure and allow the tool to make certain types of lines that it was designed to make and you can do the same thing in inking you can allow a brush or a quill or a pen or whatever to make a certain type of line and as you gain experience you begin to realize that if I use the side of the brush this way it makes rubble or it makes a blade of grass or it makes you know and, it, and it's and it's 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 great it's like the who's the who's the the painter that would do happy mountains and happy, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Bob Ross. Bob Ross, yeah. yeah. He, would, he would allow the brush to make what the brush was designed to make, yeah. you know? So it's the same thing. Okay. Any more? Well, you, you've all been uh, really quiet and really patient. Thank you very much for yep. your attention. There's one question. Uh, sorry. Quick question. I didn't see you there. Go ahead. I, 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 it's easy. I'm still, I'm still that same dorky 11 year old. I, I could, I could. If you look at my sketchbooks and if you look at some of the art that I that I brought with me, I can draw Batman every day. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's actually a little sick. I'm, I've got a twisted. There's a little bit of a screw loose. Uh, there's a lot of creative people that want to invent their own characters. They want to create universes, and it's something I was not blessed with. I more power to those creative people that can do that i for some th some reason that character always appealed to me he works visually on so many different levels there's so many different artists that have done batman and they all kind of put their own visual look to it and it all kind of works whereas some characters no it needs to look it always needs to kind of look more like 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 this but there was something about batman so anyways to answer your question i could do batman every single day no. not a problem so Jim Lee does them with, uh, does him with short ears. Where are you? Short I'm, or long? I'm all over the map. They uh, get they sometimes okay. they get long. Some, sometimes they get cut off. Sometimes I, I and that's again that's the beauty. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot and you can do the cape differently. Or you can you you can make it lit or you can make it heavily shadowed. There's just and and he's got a great rogues yeah. gallery. Gotham City is a character that that's interesting. So it's 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 a it's a multi-use yeah. character that it, that is endlessly fascinating to me i seem to have been drawn to the hulk several times in my career uh dal Keown, as you say mm -hmm. uh, adam kubert adam kubert yeah alan recently did the savage hulk uh miniseries as well and i like the hulk hulk smash there's <laughs> it's yeah Muscle very visceral yeah I would say um, Superman because he's the first one, the best. 
and uh, maybe another one uh, as an inker really it's an, in an inker uh, answer I would say Ghost Rider <laughs> because there is speed there is smoke there is shiny leather uh, you you can do you can use a lot of techniques mm -hmm. as an inker I can see that. with Ghost Rider but yeah. the, the script is not always good but <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Let's imagine that someday someone knows what to do with the character. It would be great you to work yeah, on that. <laughs> call you up. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Yeah, in the back. Which the, uh, well, I I think I'm I do use some computer for some things, uh, but very rarely. And on all the published work that I do. Jim, if I'm working with Jim, he'll draw a page in pencil on an 11 by 17 board. He will, I will physically get that board. I don't print it out. I don't do blue lines. I, I, I guess that is so common now. I'm, I get, uh, whether social media or at conventions or whatever, people say, oh, you still actually ink right on his pencils? Because I think it's super common now to ink blue lines or print printouts uh, of, of, of the original pencils. Um, and it's just the way I've always done it. It's the way I, I prefer it. Um, but you're correct in assuming that there's a lot more digital work being done on, on at every at every level, from a penciling standpoint, an inking standpoint, and coloring's been virtually all. I mean, 99.9% .9 of coloring is. There's a few people that will. I bring Bill Sikavics up again. He will do a piece of artwork and he will paint it and it will get scanned and printed. But that's pretty rare. Most people will make scans of black and white artwork and color it digitally. So coloring is definitely the, the digital exception. But but you are seeing much more digital work. I myself work a bit differently these days. Um, he fell out of a tree and broke his wrist when he was 15. Who? Alan, Alan Davis. Oh. So in the later a few recent years he started playing up and he'd be drawing penciling and he'd get like a jerky oh. motion so he's had it analyzed he's been to see specialists and now he draws basically from his elbow so he doesn't move his wrist very much huh. and he found he was pressing a little bit hard on the paper which was damaging the surface when i yeah. tweak it so now when he does his because alan's the kind of artist who just he'll do a very basic breakdown like on an a3 sheet of paper a5 sheet of paper but then he'll just start drawing and erase and draw and erase until he picks out what he wants and right. he the pages up. He was he was fine. That was damaging the paper too much. So um, what he does now, he does all his breakdowns, his layouts and breakdowns, still at A5, but then he blows it up onto the A3 size paper and prints it off as a blue line. So then he goes in and tightens that with his pencil. Oh. So he cuts out the, the base yeah. finished pencils on his own blue line breakdowns, pass the pages to me. Of course, when I erase the pencils after I've inked it, there's still a blue. There's yeah, blue. Oh, that's interesting. People who want to buy artwork don't like to see that. They they mm. think I've cheated. They think I've right, like you've you've inked yeah. over blue lines or something yeah, like you've that. You've done or it twice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I hadn't. I'd never heard of that of that way of doing it, but that solves yeah. certain problems. That, that yeah. Yeah. Again, we're saying about the paper quality not being right. Good. Right, and the more you erase pages, the more damage the paper gets, and then it doesn't take the ink as well, and you run into problems and it gets so messy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I. I ink mostly on paper. Uh, I would say that uh, maybe five percent of my work, of my own work, will be inked on a computer. But if I ink someone else, it's only on paper. And just uh, again, ninety-nine percent of the work that I do is 
traditional. If 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 uh, later on you guys want to come uh, by my table, I'm not I'm not doing this to sell anything. If you just want to see what a digital inked piece by me looks like, I've got a I did a Batman print that I I drew it and inked it completely digitally. I just kind of did it because it was kind of an interesting experiment. Um, and if you've got a real sharp eye, I think you'll be able to tell the differences a little bit. But um, it's it's it is a very the drawing on a Cintiq using digital tools. It it, it it is very powerful and very seductive. But at the end of the day, I'd still probably always prefer using traditional materials. Okay, because um, just to to say uh, from my point of view, inking on uh, digitally, it's it's a bit stupid. <laughs> Let me explain. Uh, you have to buy a powerful computer. You have to buy yeah. Photoshop. You have to uh, set up your brushes to make it look like a natural brush. If you want a dry brush effect, you have to do another brush on Photoshop to make sure that there is a texture beneath your brush, beneath your line, to, mm, to, to have the feeling that there is a grain on paper. If you want a dry brush effect with a brush, you don't add ink on the brush. That's it. Very direct. Yeah. Very direct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much more cheaper. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, white. Yeah. yeah. White paint. Yeah. White gouache. Um, oh, you use gouache? Yeah. Which doesn't go down first time. Normally have to go over things twice. And I yeah, and I won't use something like that. I want something that's super opaque that I could just lay down a white and it's just going to obliterate. What do you use then? Oh, like sometimes I'll just use those Pentel like correction pens because uh -huh. uh, those things like flow like crazy and they're super opaque. They don't and they have a certain amount of control. Um, and then if uh, I need something that's got a little more control, either maybe I'm inking with a nib, dipping it in white ink, I will, there's a bunch of different white inks, FW and Propake or Snowpake. And it, anyways, uh, stuff that you can kind of water down to, to make it flow from a brush or from a nib. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, part of, part of, again, part of the job, especially from an inking standpoint, is to get the job done fairly quickly and whatever tools I can use. And if I can use a, a correction pen, like the like those Pentel correction pens, they're not particularly sexy, but they do the job for the most part, and, and you can actually create some interesting <laughs>